0: Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go.
1: I sat in my hotel and I said, I hate this feeling. I don't ever want to feel this way again, and I'm never going to lose another match.
0: We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability.
1: I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a
0: man after I failed.
1: And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it allowed me to focus and channel my energy.
0: We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps but it's it's five percent of the ingredient it pales in comparison to heart and technique and
1: effort it humbled me taught me humility nothing can hit humble you more than wrestling i think it's the learning to adapt right you learn you learn how to adapt you learn how to solve problems you know if i look back my time that's good wrestling if it gave me one thing more than anything else it's mental toughness
0: Ladies and gents, welcome back to another episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. I'm back in the shy. It's two degrees outside. It's freezing, folks. But luckily, we're going to warm me up with this episode here. Because my guest is Kerry, the real deal McCoy. One of the best heavyweights this country's ever seen. Two-time NCAA champ. Two-time Olympian. And get this, folks. During his last 132 matches in college... Carry won 131 of them. <laughs> Whoa, that's uh, that's pretty good. Really enjoyed the conversation. And if you like it as well, give Carrie a shout. It's at KMAC120, at KMAC120 on Twitter. Let him know that Wrestling Changed My Life did it for you today, folks. Fan of the Week is Rob Wood. That's Rob Tyler 11 on the gram. Thank you for tuning in, Rob. Greatly appreciate it, brother. Last but not least... It's going to be an exciting couple of weeks, folks. The Dan Gable documentary is finally done. I'm doing some final edits and polishing now, but it is done, and it will go live next Monday. It's probably the most exciting thing I've ever worked on, and so I'm really excited to get it out to you guys. That will be uh, be going live next Monday on the same channel that you're getting this podcast here. Last but not least is our merchandise, our store, our apparel, our shop. That's going to be up and live hopefully by the end of this week. We did a soft release yesterday. Wanted to see what some folks thought and making some stylistic changes now, adding some more gear, but that will be live and all sales, all proceeds go to support this fine podcast that you're listening to here. Okay, enough of the gibber jabber, enough of the talk. Let's get to it. Let's give it up for Carrie, the real McCoy, McCoy. Peace. What was the turning point for you from just going to practice in seventh grade to being uh, one of the elite talents coming out of high school? <laughs>
1: um, well, I I, I don't. It, it's actually kind of interesting because I fell in love with the sport day one, and okay. you know, when I tell the story, people are like, "What?" Um, it literally, and and again, going back, I had no concept what wrestling was. It wasn't, and no one in my family had wrestled. You know, I had a few friends that wrestled, but, you know, there was, no, there was no connection to the sport. So when I thought of wrestling, I thought of Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. That's literally what I thought wrestling was. So when we had the opportunity to sign up for sports, so wrestling was in the winter track, was in the spring. Um, you know, I had some of my, my buddies, one of my friends that I'd known from kindergarten, his name Mike he, he was in kid wrestling. You know, he started when he was five. He said, why don't you come out for wrestling? So that was my introduction to the sport. And I had no prior knowledge, and and I think that that was really important for me because there was no one around me that could influence me. So it was something that I did because I truly wanted to do it, even though I had no idea what it what I was doing. So the first day I show up for practice, and you know every wrestling practice star, if you go running, <laughs> and I, I say that you know so I was confused because I thought it was going to be WWF wrestling. And then, you know, Coach tells us to start running. And I'm like, okay, track practice. I track started in the spring. But, and I, I joked to you, I said, maybe it was a fact that we were at the middle school. Running through the middle school, you're not allowed to run in school. Maybe because I was running through the school and, you know, you're not allowed to do that. It was just something. Maybe I felt like I was being a rebel or something. But in that first 30 minutes while we were running, I just, I said, this is something that I'm going to do for a long time. And I'm going to try to be the best that I can be at it. So I made up my mind that first day of first practice that, you know, this is it. And I, and I fell in love with it. And so when I tell people that story, they say, Oh, you must've been pretty good. And, and I wasn't good at all. I mean, I, I, I might exaggerate a little bit, but I say I was probably the worst person to ever start wrestling, that ever started <laughs> wrestling. So, um, and again, I had no idea, no clue what it was supposed to be about. You know, I, when I walked in, I saw these before I thought gymnastics, not, you know, wrestling, so um, so I was a complete open book, I was a complete sponge, I was just there to try to get as much of this as I can, because I I don't know why, but I just fell in love with it, so... Were you like um, an obsessive thing,
0: person before that? Like, when in middle school and elementary school, did you obsess over things, or was this the first thing that you um, really had a love for?
1: Not really, so I started playing the cello when I was in fourth grade, and it was something I enjoyed doing, but it was, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't one of those things that I was you know, to, to like, yeah, I go to orchestra practice twice a week and I practice at home, but it was, it was just something that I, that I did the past time and I enjoyed doing. So, you know, I, I think it was that type, you know, if I enjoyed doing something, I did it, but the way that wrestling grabbed me, I, I can't even put it to words because it, it wasn't anything like that before with the exception of how I felt about basketball, you know, that's the way, you know, I kind of, I love basketball. I enjoyed playing. I wanted to do it all the time. Um but it was different in wrestling because, you know, basketball I kind of I I kind of knew what I was doing. I had some idea. There were a lot of people. It was, you know, everyone knew what basketball right, was, everyone right. around. So, for so wrestling, I was the only one in my immediate circle, and obviously that circle grew pretty quickly once I started to go to practice and meet people and all, but but yeah, it was it was uh I don't know, it's just really weird because it was the first thing that really grabbed me like that. Um, I, you know, I was passionate about a lot of things. I enjoyed a lot of things, but nothing the way that wrestling grabbed me. And and I said, that's what I come back to. Since I had no connection to it and I wasn't very good at it, I think that internal drive of me to improve and get better really came out to a higher level because I did not want to be terrible forever. I wanted to be better because it was something I enjoy doing and, I wanted to get better at it. So that's uh yeah, that's a little bit of the foundation and it's 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 really crazy because again, I wasn't good. I mean, my first year and this is so we're talking junior high wrestling, seventh grade. It's it's not major marquee, you know, the best of the best. It's just junior high wrestling. I mean obviously we're competitive, but it wasn't and I didn't get one competitive match my first year. Uh, you know, this I, I was not obviously I wasn't the starter and um you know we had a pretty competitive team our our high school team was one of the best teams in the state so our guys were were good but again it's still junior high I mean you think about you you think of junior high sports everybody gets a chance to play everyone gets a chance to get some kind of and I didn't have one match I remember the one time I had an opportunity the guy that was in front of me was sick so I was going to get a chance to wrestle I was all excited as the week went on you know watching my weight and getting ready to compete. And I showed up for weigh-ins. I got on a scale and I was all excited. I'm going to finally get a chance to compete for the team. And the other team didn't have anybody had a fourth. So I didn't get, didn't get one competitive match my, you know during the regular season my first year, but I came to practice every day and I just, I wanted to get better. So the thing I talk about is my number one goal. And I keep this with me today is just to get better. You know, that was, I didn't set out to be a state champ. I didn't set out to be a national champ. I didn't set out to do all, well. I just wanted to get better every day. So, and that's a relative term, but I knew when I went to practice, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to get better at something. I'm going to improve something. I'm going to work as hard as I can. And so when I leave practice, I know that I got better. And that's just was the foundation that I established from the day one and, um, and I've carried on. So yeah, but, uh, it was, uh, it's very interesting because I wasn't very good and, over the years, I started to improve. Just because, I mean, it was year round. I mean, regular season, freestyle Greco, and then eighth grade, I played football, wrestled, and ran track. So I played football in the fall, and it was just stereotypical. Most of my friends played football. I didn't have a strong passion for it, but you know, we did it, and we were really, we had a really good team. Wrestling, eighth grade wrestling. You know, I had some more success. Track in the fall, in the spring. Um, you know, enjoyed it. I was a high jumper, and I did some other events. But it, you know, there was nothing that I really had uh, that high level of competition. It was just stuff that I did. But wrestling was something that I didn't. I wasn't very good, but I enjoyed it. and I wanted to get better at it. So, mm, and you had a grade. great
0: high school coach too, Mike. P- is it Pacuzo? Is that how you pronounce it? Pacuzi. Yeah, Mike
1: Pacuzi. So yeah, he was. Talk about him. He was a couple time all, a couple time all American from Iowa State. Um, wrestled at one of the. The legendary high schools on Long Island, Huntington High School for Hall of Fame coach Luigianni. I mean, it was uh, it was awesome to have him. And then we had some other. I mean, we just had great coaches around. All of our junior high coaches, uh, the, the varsity coaches, JV coaches, Pacosi, Paul and Franco, Ethan Pristy. I mean, those are the the main guys. But there were all other people that came through in and out. A guy named Benny Altobrando when we were in high school. Uh, Tony Peraza when we were in middle school, Jim Matias. I mean, there's just so many guys that we had great great coaches around us. And the thing that I really believe that made it so much more enjoyable is that there was a separation for ages and, you know, for skill, but it was still, we were all, so the, the junior high kids were working the same technique that the, the high school kids and the JV and the varsity was, you know, high crotches, head outside singles head inside singles, cross face cradles. I mean, it was a system. So when you went from seventh, eighth to 10th to 12th, you know, all the years you still had the same system in place mm-hmm. and it was just fine tuning it and being around better partners, better coaches that, you know, would help to advance. So it wasn't like when you were in junior high school, you're working on, you know, moves that are just fundamental body movement and body awareness. And then you go to the next level, then you got high technical, and you go to the next level. It was conditioning based. It was, the same system all around. And you know, so when you were in seventh grade, the same stuff that you learned in seventh grade, the same stuff we do doing when you're in varsity. So it was really a foundation of reinforcement at such a high level uh, when we were growing up. So I think that's really one of the biggest things that helped us to get better because, you know, I drilled a, a high crotch, you know, 10,000 times a year because that's what was in practice. You know, we'd repetition drill, repetition drill, repetition drill. And then, when I go in the spring and summer, if I go to a camp or a competition or a clinic where I'd you know, be exposed to something else, I would learn a different technique. And then I got the foundation of drilling it a thousand times when I went back to, to my home gym. So that, that was the biggest thing with our coaches of being able to really pound in the, uh, the repetition and make us understand. You know. The other thing too that I think was very unique with our program is we learned everything on both sides. So we'd shoot a high crotch and right leg high cross your left leg, single leg to the right, single leg. So I, you know, and obviously your favorite one's over the other, but when I when I got to the next level, high school, college, I can attack both sides. And that was something, you know, I can lead right leg lead, lead a left leg lead. And that was something that I thought was pretty interesting because I didn't see a whole lot of people. And now, when you, at the highest level, you see most of the people that are wrestling there, solid one, you know, one leg lead, and they attack the same, you know, single one leg, high cross the other leg, but we were we were taught all of our techniques to go both sides, top, bottom, neutral. We did it from both sides of the body, and then you just kind of whatever worked best for you, you you clamp onto. So that was another unique thing that our coaches did that I thought was really uh, really important in my development.
0: It seems like a really structured system. That kind of reminds me of the high school football team. So I went to a high school where football was king, and they had like the same system in place for 30 years. That started at sixth grade. And you learn the same plays and then at high school maybe they'd add a little bit more to it. But it was essentially the head coach of the high school team told all the kids' club coaches what to coach and that was it. It wasn't like some guy who'd watch Flow Technique Tuesday and throw some bizarre move in it was a very structured thing. Um with a yeah. football yeah. team, you know, but I'm sure that has to help in wrestling too. And so when did you uh when did you go to Russia in high school? I think I read that somewhere. Is that true?
1: Yeah, so um just a quick rundown. So 10th grade, I was a uh, cadet national runner-up. And the guy that beat me in the finals, it was actually back in the day when they were doing the crossover. So I lost to him in, on my bracket, and then they cross-bracketed. And I lost him again in the finals. And um, he didn't want to go. To, he couldn't or didn't want to go to the world championship. So I got a chance to compete in the world championships as a cadet. And I won a silver medal at the cadet world championships in 1990. And, you know, again, it's those, those situations where I lost in the finals of the cadet nationals, that number one guy couldn't go. So I had an opportunity and what's really pretty amazing cadet national, cadet world, junior Worlds, and Olympic team. Um, myself, Brandon Slade, Lincoln McElwain we were on all three of those teams together. So when I was on the cadet team, you know, the level, I mean, there were some other great guys as well. Um, but, you know, I got to, that's where I built my foundational friendship with Lincoln McAravey and, and Brandon Slay, among others. And then we ended up making junior world team together and we ended up making Olympic team together, um, coaching together, competing <laughs> in each other in college.
0: So, wow, man. So
1: that was that was a pretty good start. Um, and then some of the other guys who were on the team were unbelievable and, and very successful for that cadet team. But that was, so at 16 years old, I went to Sambathie, Hungary um, for a week to 10 days, got a competition. And so that really was, so going from 7th grade where I could barely walk and chew gum at the same time to 10th grade, <laughs> going to you know, Cadet World Championship was a, was a pretty big jump. And that really made a big boost for me with my high school wrestling. The next year in 11th grade is when we went to Russia. And it was, um, USA Wrestling used to do these Tour de Mons, Tour of the World, cultural exchanges. So it was like a 15-day trip. And I think you had to win the northeast you had to win a regional to qualify for it, and you had to fundraise and so we went to Krasniarsk um for twelve days and we stayed with Russian host families mm-hmm. and so we'd stay with the host family and then we'd meet to train, stay with the host family. some of the host families would interact and we'd get to see each other, but generally it was you know with this host family for overnight and then on the end of the the week we'd go and compete and so i went there and we had we had some duels and then we had a tournament and um you know had a good experience there did well with the duels good did well the tournament and um and then the last three days we uh we were in moscow and so we got to go visit the kremlin and you know not in it but went to see that so it was a pretty cool pretty cool experience and then um ironically it's one of those things that you know we see a lot of political talk with wrestling so we were on a flight back and I think we literally left a day or two before I don't know, You have to go back to history books but when there was a coup because it used to be it was the Soviet Union and when the start of the uh, the breakup of the Soviet Union there was that big coup that happened and we were on the last plane out of Russia um, right before the, the that whole thing happened so I think there was a soccer team that we had passed in the airport um, a youth soccer team that was going on a foreign exchange, and I think they got stuck over there for a couple of weeks because oh. of you know all the unrest. So we weeks. had just made it okay. out after that. Uh, after that experience, so it was it was uh, you know, one well, of those things that was, you know, write it up history. You know, look back on those things and say, "Wow,
0: man, what was it like living with the host family who probably didn't speak any English?" What did you guys do?
1: Yeah, and and actually, I I was with. Uh, I was with a the guy, there were two or two or three families in the same neighborhood, so we got to see a couple of them, but yeah, didn't speak a whole lot of English, and it was just you kind of get home, and I think I had a book or something, and hang out socially with the other families a little bit, and you go back and go to bed and get up and go and train, so it was it was really a, an interesting experience because at, at 16, 17 years old, you know, not many people are used to being away from you know, their family, let alone, you know, being in a foreign country with strangers, but, um, it was, it was pretty cool though when you got to it to realize that the families that we're with, they were that willing to open up their homes and take in people they didn't know and take care of us and, and treat us well. So, Right. um, and then we got to do some fun stuff. We did a, a, a wild water rafting trip one day and, um, you know, went down, did some shop, some shopping and sightseeing. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool, but like I said, the idea of being in a in a foreign country with people you don't know was was uh, was definitely unique.
0: <laughs> I bet. And then you get to college. So you're pretty dominant in high school, making world teams, cadet runner-up. You get to college, and from what I've heard, it was a tough year, right? I mean, trans- you know, transferring to a Big Ten schedule, but you had this moment when you were at the national duels your freshman year, and you might have been up like four zero, and then the guy came back to win. And maybe it took a while to set in, but it seems like that was kind of a turning point for your year. And obviously you'd go on to put together an unbelievable string of victories. But if if you remember what I'm talking about, could you just elaborate on that? And if not, like what did you learn from that freshman year that you kind of used going forward throughout the rest of your career?
1: Yeah, so, um, yeah, that match, it was – I've told people it's one of the most important matches that I've had in my career um, for a lot of reasons. Number one, it was um, a match that really, it was one of the toughest losses that I've, that I've had in my career. I I lost in the state finals my, my junior year Uh, again, lost in the cadet world championship final. So, I mean, those I've had some tough losses, but that match to be really in a good position up four zero, zero wrestling, you know, at the national duels, the 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 team titles not necessarily on the line, but my match is a contributing factor for the team title. We had a comfortable lead in the match, so um, you know. So and and just at Nebraska, wrestling guy from Nebraska, and so I go out there and I feel like I wrestled a pretty good match. I had got out of a couple positions, take took advantage of a couple positions, so it was a good match. And then to go and to lose the way that I lose, I lost in the last ten seconds, and you know, there's that balance because. It would have been easy just to kind of chill and sit back and hold position. Um, but I was still attacking and, and still trying to score to keep the pace up. So, you know, recognize that, you know, risk and reward. And, um, you know, I attacked and got caught in a position that I shouldn't have got caught. But he was pretty good at it. And, you know, and then it's funny because when he first threw me the first time, I thought I had lost. I thought, you know, he got a five-point move. I was up 4-0. And I thought it was over. And my coaches are yelling, no, 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 you're overtime. You just got 2-2. Two and two, So its 4-4. And so I had to go from I'm going to win this match, or I just lost it. To, I got to wrestle again, and then I'm in there, and then I get thrown again out of bounds to lose. And so again, now, so it's just such an emotional roller coaster in that match. Yeah. And I remember just so one, you know, the dealing with that tough loss. Two, my teammates. I didn't have one. One, not one of my teammates or coaches gave me crap. Or they were like, "Hey, tough." tough break. You had them, you know, you're going to be great. All just all positive reinforcement. So I really, and this was midway through, it's January already. And I'm, you know, I think I was nine and eight at the time. So, you know, it's a 500 wrestler and my team, my support network was strong and they, they had my back and they made me feel like I, I, I belong. And, and I was you know, really reinforced that this was the place where people care about me more than just what I did on the mat. Um, and then the the, the third thing, was that, that technique, um, after it happened to me I said, I'm, I'm I'm gonna learn that and I'm gonna I'm gonna do to him what he did <laughs> do to some other people what he did to me and and I actually I, I, I used that overhook series and I and I scored a lot of points with it through my collegiate and mainly international career, but I, I, I used that technique. So it was something that I, you know, taken away from the loss like, okay, what can I learn from this? And I learned that technique and I scored a lot. Uh, my my college coach, one of my college coaches uh, Hishiro Ishii was a judo expert, and you know he had some judo tendencies with that technique. And, and we went over, we learned it, and, and I was able to use that later in my career. So a lot of reasons why that match right there had uh, had a huge influence on me later on in my career, and um, you know in my life in general. But yeah, that definitely was a big deal. And then you know, after my year was over, I was just over 500, and I just I sat in my hotel room after the NTAs when I got eliminated. And I said, I, I, I hate this. And I didn't, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I like to win. I like to be successful and all. And I didn't like to lose, but that point it was, it just, it was so much deeper when I lost and I was done. And three guys that had beaten during a se- the season had become all American. And, you know, so I knew I had the ability to compete at a high level. And I just, I sat in my hotel and I said, I hate this feeling. I don't ever want to feel this way again. And I'm never going to lose another match. And I said, you know, and it's one of those things where just after losing 17 matches, people, you know, how can you be never going to lose another match? You just lost 17. I said, I, that's, that's what I, what it is. And every day from that day forward, I live my life was, hey, everything that I do is committed to this goal of never losing another match. So that's really how it, you know, adjusted, changed, changed my perspective on things and, no, that's that's what my, my goal was.
0: Man, and you almost did it. You lost only one match after uh, after that, and we'll get to that. But you know, during this time at Penn State, they were pretty good. They got second at the national tournament, and they had some good wrestlers, one of which was Kerry Colat. Like, what do you remember about his intensity and his attitude at the time? Was he on just, like, another level?
1: <laughs> so it's 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 really interesting and you hear this in a lot of different ways um, you know if you want to be successful surround yourself with successful people um, you know it was just to try to be what those guys so you know and, and that was the other thing when I went to school my freshman year especially was, I was the other carry on the wrestling team you know Carry Colott was the arguably one of the best high school wrestlers ever four time undefeated Pennsylvania State Champ you know, placed third at Midland at of the national team while I was in high school. So this is a guy that I came in and it's like this, he was the number one kid in the country and he was on, you know, I was on the team with him. So when I, when I got there, I said, okay, he's one of the best to do it. Whenever he does something, I'm going to try and be there and try and do it. You know? So if I heard he was going to work out, I would go to work out. If I heard he was doing a training session, I would try to be there. And I found really quickly that I could not physically even come close to the things he was doing. So I would go in there and he, him and (laughs) Senshiro Abe and John and Russ Hughes would have this crazy workout set up. And I'm like, Hey, what are you guys doing? They would tell me. And I would say, all right, I'm going to be over here and I'm going to shadow wrestle and I'm going to ride the bike because, you know, there's (laughs) no way that I can, I can do so. So I was in there a lot of times when they were in there and, and I was doing something, but the level that those guys were training at, I Physically, emotionally, I don't know, but like, I just, what was it, it? What were they doing? It just—I I remember one time we went in, and, and Carrie said, "Okay, here's the workout. We're gonna go five-five minute goes, four-four minute goes, three-three minute goes, two-two minute goes, one-one minute go, and then we're gonna go a thirty-second overtime." Woo. And I—I I was like, "Wait, five-five—that's twenty-five minutes, and then four-four is another sixteen, and I'm doing—I mean, like, you guys are gonna wrestle live for like eight hours." <laughs> and, you know, and, and the thing is, if you know, it wasn't, okay, we're going to kind of hand fight. And I mean, it was high intensity wrestling for a five minute go, take a short break, five minute go, take a short break. And, and I, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I'll go in. And after the first five minute go, I'm trying to stay and you know, daily stand up second one. Then I'm like, I just, I can't. So things like that, or they would, they would say, okay, we're going to run. We're going to run the golf course, which is probably about a five or six mile run. Uh, we're going to run the golf course and come right in, change our shoes. And we're going to wrestle a, a 20 minute grind match, you know, or stuff, just stuff like that that they would say, you know, they would run or we're going to go and we're going to do a, a, a thousand pull ups, you know, and then after that, we're going to wrestle. Just, you know, stuff like that. And just, I think literally they would just think, and you know, the stories about how Kerry trained when he was in high school. And I think it was just think of some of the things that were so unreasonable to think about. And I think they would think, and they'd say all right, yeah, let's do that, and just push themselves. And so I would hear it and see it, and I'd try to keep up, and I, I failed relatively miserably, but I was trying to. And that's, so the goal was to just try and keep up. But, yeah, I mean, and then when, when we'd go out and compete and the things that, that Kerry would do, and I remember we wrestled Iowa in a duel at home, and, you know, Bill Zadick, he's wrestling Bill Zadick, and he, he did the, the backflip. You know, and I, he you hear stories about him doing it in high school, you know, doing a backflip when a guy's got a single and taking a guy down, um, you know, so I'm thinking, hes and then I think he caught him with a flying cement job to pin him, and it's like, <laughs> these are things that, that I never even thought about when I was growing up in wrestling in New York. I mean, backflips and flying cement jobs, and, you know, now it's almost common to see people try that, but back then, you know, 25 years ago, so I just would be in awe and I had kind of my routine when I'd wrestle one ninety and he was one thirty four. So I always wanted to watch him wrestle. He always got me fired up, so you know, I'd I'd be out there I'd do my warm up and I'd make sure I'd go out and watch Kerry wrestle and then I'd go back and finish my warm up and then so it was it was pretty cool to be a teammate with him during that time.
0: Gotta be, man. I I'm a big proponent of saying that Joe Williams is one of the best high school wrestlers ever, but a lot of people trump me and say Kerry Colat was and in all fairness, that was before I really started getting in into the depths of following it. So I need to do a little research on the Kerry Kolat mystique as a high schooler.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And, and I would, I mean, there's, there's so many, I mean, and I was very fortunate to grow up around so many great guys. I mean, you mentioned Kolat, Lincoln McElravery, Jill Williams. I mean, those are guys that were on, on national teams, on, on world teams, um, you know, and then obviously some collegiate wrestling. So it's, sure. it is, pretty amazing. Um, you know, I'm very, very blessed to have been able to to share the map with some some great people. And and you know, and I think now I even think about now with the, the level of wrestling that's going on in our country now. It's like I was I was very fortunate to to go to college and compete with some of the best high school wrestlers at that time and then internationally I was able to compete and be around some of the best international wrestlers. And now as a as a coach slash fan you know, Jordan Burroughs and Kyle Snyder and Jaden Cox and those guys to be able to work with them, you know, do the different things and to be able to watch them and then see the younger guys that are coming up, you know, guys like Zahid Valencia and Mark Hall and Vincenzo Joseph and, you know, Zane and Jason Nolfe and those guys, like, I'm, I'm really blessed to have been able to just span, you know, in the last three plus decades of wrestling, but the, the amount of talent the amount of character the amount of quality that i've been able to be exposed to has been really awesome
0: i was going to ask you do you get to go around the penn state program at all now that you're out of college coaching
1: yeah a little bit um you know it's it's uh we get usually my family and i will go back to state college once or twice for different things throughout the year and get a chance to get up there i you know kale was a teammate of mine world and Olympic a teammate and so i've known him for a long time and there's still a lot of the people around the program that I know, Dave Hart was a teammate, obviously Coach Lorenzo. We were at the um, – Coach Lorenzo got inducted to the Hall of Fame, so I was out there and got to spend some time with, with him and um, his family. So, yeah, I still have a connection with the program. And you know, as you get further away from the, the competitive life of being you know, in another team to get back to you know, being an alum and being able to do some other stuff, it will be pretty nice to be able to do that a little more often because – for the last few years, as much as you want to see your alma mater be successful, you you really focus on your own program. And, um, you know, now it's a little bit easier to be a fan of wrestling and still, you know, want to be behind the scenes and help them grow the sport and help them do all the things that that can help benefit the sport. But it's nice to be able to be a fan. And, you know, I miss my guys. I miss the, the people that I work with. Definitely, you know, every day I think about them. But it is nice to be in a different transition um, that you know, can enjoy being a fan a little bit more.
0: It's crazy to see what Kale's done there. And yeah, I talked to a lot of people on this podcast, and no one can really pinpoint what he does to get them to wrestle so loose and free. But if you had to take your best guess at it, man, just being on the teams with him and, and being a former college coach, what do you think uh, is the secret ingredient that's got Penn State humming right now at the level they are?
1: Well, and I would... I wouldn't say there's one secret. I think it's a combination. It's it's uh, he's got a pretty good formula of being able to get the best guys, which is the foundation, right? If you have a, a high quality foundation, you know, really good guys that love wrestling at the high level, high level, then that's gonna that's gonna be very important. But really individualizing and finding out what each person needs to maximize the potential. It's really interesting because, you know, not being in there behind the scenes, but I've talked to a lot of people that have been connected and obviously had conversations. It sounds corny, but they really they have fun. They enjoy what they're doing. And so he finds a way to make it fun. He finds a way to make sure they're having fun, they're enjoying themselves. Um, winning is important, but it's not, it's not a situation where it's a pressure to win. It's a situation where it's fun to win. And I think every coach will aspire to that. And I think if you look at any successful program, any successful sport, any successful organization, the people that are most successful, usually the ones that are enjoying themselves a good bit, you know, and it's, it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows, but if you're excited to go to practice to learn and get better, you know, it's going to be tough. know it's going to be a challenge. But if you're excited to go every day, the likelihood of you being successful increases. If you love your job, and you go to work every day with this, hey, I can't wait to get in there and create something new, improve something, do something that's going to help the organization, you're going to be that much more successful. If you're every day like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I have to go and put up with these people. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe I have to do this. Just, i got to commute. You, you're not going to have as much of an opportunity to be successful. So I think just enjoying what you do is a big part of it, and that that's what I really feel like is is the the secret sauce for Kale, is that he has these guys truly enjoying. And then when you look back at some of the times with some of the athletes that you can see may not be having as much fun, may not be enjoying A lot of times he'll give those guys a break. You know, he'll put somebody else in the lineup, you know, have those guys do something different. And it doesn't happen too often because I think the foundation of enjoying themselves is is pretty high, but you will see every once in a while that, Hey, where's so-and-so and so you know, everyone's thinking about it. And and I would assume that there's something going on with this guy kind of just needs a break. And, and um, you know, so kale, I think has done a great job with that. And ironically, I listened to your podcast of Lincoln McElravey and he was talking about how Gable, that was what, one of Gable's biggest things, you know, he just knew individually how to tap into get the boast out of each individual. And it could be different from every person of every year. And so I think that mentality is, uh, a lot of coaches have it and it's just who can, who can maximize it. Um, right. And and Kale's doing a pretty good job.
0: Now, did you ever feel pressure on yourself to win? Because I heard that your goal is to never lose another match versus some people's goal is to win an NCAA title. And if they lose along the way, yeah, it sucks, but it's part of it. But like going into the nationals, your senior year where you had only lost one match since your freshman year. Um, you know you you won the hodge your senior year but like going into your last match against Steven Neal one of your uh, your big rivals like did you feel any pressure ever or were you still having fun at that point
1: um, i mean i was always having fun pressure it 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 was one of those things where i worked as hard as i can work i put the time and energy in so when i got to compete it was just hey go out there and perform and I was I was pretty again when I talked about my freshman year. I was pretty fortunate to have people around me that were able to reinforce that idea. Just go out and do what you're capable. You're you're you put the work in. You're ready. Just just go and do what you've been doing. Um, one of the, the nicest things about that my senior year is we went out to California. My coaches made a, a focused effort to um, you know to get me to the best to the best opportunities uh, for preparation. And we went out to California, and we wrestled. So I wrestled Steve and Neil in, um, at Bakersfield. And
0: this is the first time wrestled, you wrestled him?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I wrestled him in freestyle um, in the 95 U.S. Open. And, um, you know, it was a good match. And then, so we wrestled him in... That duel, and I, I wrestled him, I think I won four-zero, takedown, escape, and riding time. So I felt pretty good that I was going to be able to, you know, compete hard and, and get a win. Um, we had the opportunity to wrestle in the All-Star match that year, and we had a big stretch, a big 10 schedule. I think I'd wrestled six matches in a week and a half, something just,
0: mm-hmm. and I didn't go
1: to the All-Star match um, to wrestle him. So the next time I, I wrestled him was the, uh, was the NCAA final. So I felt pretty good. Um, it was a pretty crazy match when, you know, look at it because I was, I was aggressive. I was attacking all the time. Two big guys like that. We kept going out of bounds. And so I didn't get, you know, I get to his legs and go out of bounds. I get to a score. And then, um, he got a reversal and almost put me on my, well, put me on my back, but I got off before the ref could give me back points. So, so I had to get an escape and then I got an escape in the third and then ended up get a stall call with about 20 seconds left of the match. To, to win three or two. So the match was a lot tighter, but score wise, but I feel like, I, you know, I wrote him for a good bit before he got the reversal and um, big credit to him and his coaches for making an adjustment on the position to not, you know, get ridden. Cause I think in the duel, I wrote him out the whole period. So, um, but yeah, and it was just my senior year. And, you know, you talked about I had only lost one match up until that point. And, you know, that was a big deal because I didn't want to lose any. So once once that match was lost, then I had to reset and refocus. Okay, I'm not going to lose anymore. And 95 I lost, and then I came back and I redshirted 96 to to try to make the Olympic team, and then the whole year coming through in 97. So I had, you know I wrestled some folks out tournaments to uh, stay sharp, but you know after getting beat and you know, I lost in 95 and I had to come back and take third.
0: You tell that I, story. You know, back. So you're at Carver Hawkeye at the nationals, and you're going for gable streak i believe i'm not i'm a little foggy on the details but i've just heard bits and pieces what what all happened
1: (laughs) yeah i figured you'd ask about that so um yeah it was it was you know you talked about pressure before and people started talking about the streak and that's happened all the time so 47 0 my freshman year my sophomore year national champ and then you know hit 50 hit 55 hit 60 and 75 80 going to the big tens and then, you know, after the big tens, 84 or whatever. So I'm going through and, and Gable's record was 98. And so throughout the year, obviously people are talking about the streak and how many matches in a row. And and it was ironic because it was going to be, you know, in Iowa wrestling against an Iowa guy and Justin Greenlee. I wrestled him three times prior to that. Um, or twice twice prior to that. I wrestled him in the NCAA finals my sophomore year. And then I wrestled him in the all-star match. Um, so I had, I had beaten him twice and, um, and it was like, okay, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm all right here. And we had a game plan and usually we just, we just wrestle, just go out and wrestle. And, you know, we talked about coaches cause I mean, Justin six, seven, 270 pounds, I mean, he, he's a monster and he, had, I think he had pinned his first two or three guys but we had a, a plan that, hey, you know, go out and get the first takedown. If you don't need to go down, go underneath, you know, you can stay on your feet, stay in your best position, you know, which I was decent on the bottom too. But it's like stay on your feet. That's where you, you're you going to be good. So I, I got a takedown in the first period, rode him for a little bit. He got out. Second period, um, it was my choice and his choice. He deferred to me and I took neutral. Um, and then probably about 30 seconds left in the second period, Got into a little bit of a, a shot. of in on a high crotch. He's so big, he started scooting the corner. And, again, like I said, we don't see all the scrambling like we do now. So, two big guys. I'm in a crackdown position. He's scooting the corner. And, you know, depending on who you ask.
0: I'm going to say it right now. It wasn't, too. I'm going to say it right now. <laughs> that was so, uh that's, that's a you and I guy at Carver Hawkeye during the Gable era. Yeah. I mean, that's a – yeah.
1: So So, that's – that's the deal. Got got the takedown and it was right at the end of the period. So I didn't have time to get away. So now the score is it's three to three to two. Um, he goes down. I, uh, I rode him, got the riding time point to tie it up about a minute and a half left in the match. It's three to three. And, um, you know, we, we get after it. And, uh, you know, I chased him around, got, got a stall call about 45 seconds left in the match. Didn't get the next stall call. And, you know, end up losing 4-3 to three, um, on the escape. So, and it was one of those things that, you know, people talk about, obviously, so I, that was 88, so I had 10 matches, sure, to Gable. I was in Iowa, the Northern Iowa guy. And the place went, erupted, but I sw- it was dead silent. I could not hear anything. After that match, when, when the ref blew the whistle, it went dead silent. And, and I w- it was silent for probably about, 10 minutes. I mean, I got up, I shook his hand and went over to talk to my coaches. I walked out down the hallway, to long, you know, so everybody's cheering, going crazy, you know, from what I hear, but it was dead. I couldn't hear anything. Whoa. Just dead silent. That's and, eerie. Yeah, it was. And it's one of those things that, you know, I'll never forget. And, um, you know, and just, it, and it happened. It's just like, Hey, it wasn't meant to be. And so I remember, and we talked about Lincoln McElravy. Um, was we had that relationship that we had built in 1990 and he was back there and, you know he comforted me and just hey you know tough one and you know, but he, he lost too that year just, right Well he 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 was in the finals so he won in the semis Okay so he was you know so after the semis you know he was there and he was watching me wrestle so when I came out he was there and um, and the ironic thing was so then the next day I come back and I take the third time watching the finals and he got beat in the finals and I think he had a very similar situation. He walked through the hallway and I just happened to be there and I just, and and, and I, same thing. I, I comforted him and encouraged him to say, hey, you know, tough break. Just kind of the same. And it was, so it was just really awesome that out of such, and I, and I would say that both of us in, in the grand scheme of things, those are probably two of the, the worst competitive losses that we, we've had. Um, I know Lincoln went on and lost in the finals of the world championships, lost in the semis, the Olympics. Um, so, but those those matches to lose, you know, four-time NCAA champion to lose at home to a guy that had been beaten in the multiple Big 10s, times,
0: yeah,
1: and uh, you know, same thing, a guy that had beaten multiple times. So, um, so yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty cool thing for us to be there to support each other, and and I remember, I don't know, I think it was the Iowa paper. They had a picture of us just in that hallway, and we were just standing next to each other, and you know, it, it, and and that those are things that and you hear it more and more now that it goes beyond sport. That wasn't about winning and losing. That wasn't about, that was about two people that cared about each other and, you know, we were there to support each other and it didn't matter what the wins and losses end up. That was just, that's what it's all about. That's what sport is about. It's about being able to, to support each other and, and you know, compete at the highest level, but you're not competing just to try to win a medal. You're competing just to be the best you are and, you know, anything that's going to be pleasing in God's eyes and, and I think you look at that and you see that that's a, cause it could have been very easy for me to run out of the building and not talk to anybody for him to just say, get away from me. I don't want to, but you know, our connection was stronger than you know just whether or not we were two guys that wrestled for some good wrestling teams. And, you know, we ended up finishing okay with our careers, came back and we both redshirt at 96 and then 2000 made the Olympic team together. Um, we both won the national championship in 97. So, um, you yeah, know, let, things things worked out okay.
0: Definitely. And I was going to say let's just wind down with that. So when you made the Olympic team in 2000, um you had kind of a, a crazy turn of events because you beat Stephen Neal in the finals, then you get fourth at the World Team Trials in 97, then you make the World Team, you go to the World Championships in, a, in Iran, something funky happens, you know, you won, they overturned the match, like it's just such you know, scandalous behavior. I can't... And then Kerry Colat, your former teammate, same kind of thing happened. But then in 98, Stephen Neal, um, he makes the world team and then wins the world championship. Or was that 99 when that happened? That was 99. 99. So now you're thinking, shit, I was just... In 97, I was at Iran, in Iran, the House of Wrestling, supposed to be in the world finals. I got screwed. And then my competitor... He makes the world team in ninety nine and he's the world champ. So now going into two thousand, you had a defending world champ at your weight. Like where were you at yeah. mentally at going into that?
1: Yeah, it was like definitely roller coaster. And you know what? It it's really it's really interesting because a lot of people talk about that ninety eight and I it it hurt. It hurt, no doubt, no question. i i wrestled the Cuban probably seven times and the only two times I lost to him, I lost to him well. I won that match, and they took it away, and then I lost him in the in the bronze medal match in 2001. So I happened be, uh, in cute
0: when uh, when in they the took match. it away? Yeah, like I mean, you won that match is over, right? Like how long after yeah. did they come and tell you?
1: It was I was back in the hotel getting ready for the finals, you know, just hanging out in the room, and then Bruce Burnett, who was the national team coach, he comes in and he just he walks in, opens the door, and he just drops his head, and I was like, what's up? And he said, they, they overturned the match. I said, what? What, how, what did they? So what happened was in the match, I stood up. I had an ankle lace. I was up 1-0. I had an ankle lace on him. I stood up with it because, you know, he's had big, heavy hips. And as I went, I back arched from my feet to turn him. And so when I back arched, we went out of bounds, and I turned him out of bounds. They gave no points because we went out of bounds. So, and then I ended up winning one 0 well, when they went back and they rescored the match, they said that he caused me, he reached down, he grabbed my foot, and he kicked me, when I had the ankle, he kicked me to my back and they gave him three points. So that's how they overturned it. Um, yeah, so I went from wrestling in the finals of the World Championships against a guy that I'd beaten earlier that year to having to win a match to get into the bronze medal match. And I won the match, I, I think I wrestled Turkey in the Conti semis and then for the yeah the semis and then for bronze LeBron had the Russian who i beaten earlier in the tournament and I lost to him for the bronze so that was was the the whole deal but then so you know people are like well how you know how to deal with it I said well that was my first world team and I just believed that I was I was gonna I was gonna be rolling you know I'm gonna make a bunch of world teams my goal is to make the Olympic team so 97 98 99 2000 and you know from there it would be over so i yeah, I didn't get a chance to win in 98, but I felt like, okay, I'll be back next year. Right. And, you know, ultimate goal is 2000. So, so then in 98, I'm, you know, that whole situation. And then, you know, Stephen Neal senior in college, I'd beaten him, you know, the previous years I'd beaten. him. So the funny thing with Stephen, we wrestled eight, the first eight times we wrestled, I won three out of, we, we were four and four, but I won the first three and then he won the next couple. And then I won the next couple. So we were, Okay. We were, you know, we went back and forth. So I won the first three, then he beat me, and then he beat me, then I beat him, then he beat me, and then the next ones, and I beat him in 2003 matches to none. In 2001, it was two matches to one. So we went back and forth. But, yeah, when he beat me in 90, um, he actually beat me in 98 uh, at, the, at the U.S. Open, but then he didn't go to the World Team Trials. Holly Thompson was the, the U.S. Open champion. He went to a tournament and tore his ACL. So, at the World Team Trials, you know, those two guys won in the event, and then I made that World Team and it went on. So, so Steven had, you know, he had beat me in '98, and he beat me at '99 in the U.S. Open.
0: Oh wow! Uh,
1: so that's demi. all going into
0: it too. Wow.
1: Yeah, and then in '99 at the World Team Trials, we went two matches to one. So. So I won in '95. I beat him in the U.S. Open. '97, I beat him in a duel. '97, I beat him in the NCAA Finals. '98, he beat me in the U.S. Open Semis. '99, he beat me at the U.S. Open, and then at the trials we split two to one. So that was our wow. that was our run up into 2000, um, and then in 2000, um, and he's talked about it. He was the world champ and. He, uh, he was back in Bakersfield, and, you know, he adjusted some of his training. And, and I, I made the commitment. I moved out to Colorado Springs as a, as a part-time resident, and um, that was really the biggest thing. So I, I knew I was ready to go out there and compete because I was around. around Kevin Jackson, Bruce Burnett were the coaches. Kevin was a resident coach. Bruce the a national team coach. My training partners there out in Colorado Springs were, were great. And um, I just, you know, adjusted my lifting program. Um, you know, so similar to what I did after my freshman year in college, you know, I had to make some adjustments and, you know, going out there and being uncomfortable was, uh, was the adjustment. You know, I could stay home in my comfortable surroundings, and you know, do, but I knew I had to get out there. And I would go and I would train at the training center and I would go down when I was, I was coaching at Penn State. So when i go down to Lehigh, Greg Strogel was a national team coach. He was a New York AT coach. So I'd go down to Lehigh and train and Johnny Curtis and, and Joel Sherriff were some of the guys that I would train with that were competing at the weight class below me. And Dominic Black was at the the training center. And so I just had great partners around me from 99, 2000. Joe Bastardi was my strength coach back in in State College. So we had a a really good lifting program. So I got, you know, bigger, stronger, faster. And, you know, so it's just another thing of no stone unturned. And and that's what it is. So that's what I pulled into 2000. And, you know, what it came down to, ironically, in – in 2000 to make the Olympic team um, one of the the scoring moves was a three point overhook you know throw that Oganesan hit me when I was a freshman Ooh, <laughs> so full circle baby I used, I used that technique to make the olympic team and you know Dang. i got pretty good with my with my turns in 2000 i got some good ankle laces and yeah so yeah it was did a battle
0: did you did you wrestle so, uh, at the US Open that year leading up to the olympic trials in 2000
1: yeah so we wrestled uh, I beat him, I think I beat him 3-1 three, three, or 3-2 in the U.S. Open Finals. Okay. And then at the uh, Olympic trials, so, you know, the, the national champ sits out. He won the mini tournament. We wrestled. And um, I think I won the first match 3-1, and then I won the second match 6-2 or something like that. So.
0: And boom, you're an Olympian, man. That's, that's an amazing story because it's only like – I don't know, Caught 10 years before that you had just started wrestling. And then next thing you know, you're on the Olympic team and you know, you were a nine time world team member. You'd make it again in Oh four. But, um, man, it's just, it's cool to hear that story and how it kind of all came full circle. And then he went on to play for the Patriots. And then another one of your guys, uh, Kurt angle, he went on to go WWE. Did you ever think about doing a uh, pro football or, or WWF WWE?
1: Yeah, I, um, yeah, and it's, so yeah, it is. You know, it's pretty, pretty awesome when you think about the guys that I was able to compete with and what they've gone on to do. Um, I did so in, in when I was at Lehigh. So I left state college in 2000. I was coaching at Lehigh. And so for the next, the next run of uh, the Olympic cycle, Chuck, a guy named Chuck Bednarik, and he was one of the last Ironman, you know, 60 minute players in the NFL, played for the Eagles. He used to come to Lehigh practice, to wrestling practice, and watch, and we talk, and he would say, he's like, hey, if you want to get a tryout, you know, I can get you a tryout with the Eagles pretty quick. And I was like, well, I was still, at that point I decided I was going to continue to compete wrestling. So it was like, well, I'm, I'm going to compete. So, well, if you ever change your mind, I can get you a tryout. So that was an opportunity that I didn't pursue, but I, was, I had that. And then in 2000, um, you know, Kirk had, Won in '96, and he was in in the professional wrestling and doing a great, a great job there. And I know initially when he first went, a lot of the wrestling community wasn't really excited. But eventually, you know, he he won them over and realized that it was great promotion for amateur wrestling. So yeah, it was pretty big. And then in 2000, so Kurt won in '96, and then Ruelon won in 2000. And I was you know uh, one of the favorites to win in 2000. So there was a storyline that was kind of evolving with Kurt. Being a gold medalist in 96, Rulon and, and I would be gold medalists, you know, heavyweight. And that whole storyline was was being kicked around in 2000. Obviously, I didn't win in 2000. So, um, then they were just going to have it kind of be Rulon and Kurt. And Rulon decided to not go that route. Um, so, it kind of fizzled out. But I definitely thought about the, uh, the WWE. But again, after 2000, if, if I would have won, it might have been a different situation. Since I didn't win, it was really the opportunity wasn't. One there. And then as 2004 rolled around, I was a little bit long in the tooth. So I don't think it was <laughs> going to be one of those things that the opportunity would have been if I would have won. Um, you know, And then Rulon came back because it was again, Rulon came back. I was wrestling. So we both had another chance to kind of re, and Kurt was still doing really well. So, but uh, it never came out. But I definitely thought about both of those as an option and just, you know, wasn't something that I was interested in at that high level. And then, you know, the opportunity kind of faded once I didn't have the success that I was.
0: It's cool that Bill Belichick would take a chance on Neil though. I mean, that's pretty unheard of that he, I don't even think he played football in college.
1: Yeah. So the story that I heard, um, so Bruce Baumgartner has a heavyweight camp, Matt Gafari, Olympic silver medalist in Atlanta, you know, so Bruce brings all the, the top heavyweights in for his camp. Well, Matt was there, with Steven, and Matt's agent was the same agent. I think the story was Matt's agent was, was Bill Belichick's agent, or Matt's agent knew Bill Belichick somehow. And so they were at this camp, and Stephen was like, yeah, I'm thinking about you know, maybe trying to play football. So Matt Gafari reached out to his agent and got contacted, and that's how you know, the door was kind of opened. Steve went up there, and he actually got released and sent down to Eagles for their practice squad. And then he got called back up, I think, a week before the uh, AFC Championship game. He got called back up to, to the Patriots, and they won the Super Bowl that year. And then the next year, he had a, a prominent role in the program. And, um, you know, even the year in, in, in when they lost the 18-0 the and, and they lost their, to the Giants that second year, Stephen got hurt. And um, he was playing, and he had you know had a bad shoulder, and he was a big. He was, this, again, this is what I'm hearing the right. story. Michael right. Strahan played for the for the Giants, and Michael Strahan couldn't couldn't get to to Tom Brady because Steve Neal is such a, a great pass blocker. And then once he got hurt, um, you know, it, it changed the dynamics of the game a little bit. So, wow! yeah, so those two guys, um, you know, that I competed with going on and and having that high level of success and then you know even now when you look at some of the other guys that were later in my career you know guys like daniel cormier who's doing a great job in 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 the ufc and brock lesnar was around that that era yep yep so yeah it was definitely a a good run with uh with the big guys
0: when you had a a great career man and it's been an honor to talk to you i think the last thing i always sign off with is the obvious question how did wrestling change your life or like maybe, what would your life be without wrestling? So maybe we can just sign off with that, my friend.
1: Yeah. So wrestling changed my life by giving me all the cliche hard work, dedication, commitment. Um, really being able to understand what it what it meant to to work hard, to set a goal, to go after the goal. Um, I've met the most amazing people through the sport, and so it changed my life by just giving me the opportunity that I don't think I would have had if I would if I would have been involved in another sport so very blessed to have had this uh, this opportunity to get in a sport and you know it's, it's all about God's plan and you know I know he had something special for me and wrestling was a big part of it and it's leading me to the next chapter of my life and you know I'm just really excited to uh, to be able to have had some great experience and looking for some even more
0: amen man well thank you so much for your time Kerry. it's been an honor to talk with you
1: thanks Larry I appreciate it
0: And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, give us a review, give us a rating, and share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.